like Brian was just saying, this is the final message in this series as we're talking about Thrive. And uh, Thrive, remember, stands for something. Remember what it stands for? Uh, get it up in front of everybody, and then you've got the chance to say it together with me, right? Thrive stands for Tapping Heaven's Resources to Ignite Vital Expansion. Tapping Heaven's Resources to Ignite Vital Expansion. You got that memorized by now? Don't worry, we'll have more opportunity to work on that as time goes by. And that is this three-year roadmap for where we are headed. It is an important plan for helping us to grow as a church family. We've looked at reaching for the next generation, reaching the lost. Today we are talking about reaching for Jesus, which is summed up in this simple word of discipling, making and being disciples. So we're going to emphasize that today. And for the sake of not letting anybody off the hook, that means we're just going to talk about growing in our faith. All right? Growing up maturing in our faith, becoming productive, developing as believers in Christ. We've talked about the Great Commission quite a bit over these past weeks, haven't we? Well, we're going to talk about it again. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, verse 19, there it is again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So according to what Jesus says there in these very important words, some of his last words of instruction to his disciples as they are going to take on his work, disciples are made by baptizing people and by teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded. In other words, helping people into the kingdom of God and then helping them grow up in the kingdom of God. You might say helping people to be born again and then helping them to maturity. And today we're talking about the maturity part of discipleship. So audience participation time. Raise your hand if you were ever younger before. <laughs> Look at this. This is great. Everyone realizes that you were younger than you were a second ago, right? <laughs> Marilyn's giving a time out. <laughs> everyone was younger before. That means every one of us understands what it means to grow older than we were, right? There are certain things that are supposed to happen to us humans with age and experience, and one of those is growth. The same thing is true of our life in Jesus Christ. As time passes, we're supposed to mature, to grow. And that's how we're using this word, disciple. And that's how we're using this whole phrase this morning, reaching for Jesus. Now, before I go any further, everybody coming in today was supposed to get a sheet and a little sheet along with it. But I want to talk about this big sheet that we passed out to everyone. Everyone should have one of these. In fact, raise your hand, please, if you are someone. All right. Some of you did not raise your hands. Help those folks, would you? You are someone, and that means you should have gotten one of these, and you need to get one. If you didn't get one, or if you need a pen, do please raise your hand. Um, Scott is actually going to make sure everybody has one. So we're going to have those in everybody ha everybody's hands. Those are for you to write on. 
Starting now, or some of you already started, and that's great. And by the way, these are for your eyes only. You will keep this. You don't need to put your name on it. It is just for you, and you're going to keep this big sheet. And there are 28 questions there. Go ahead and look at them, because beginning between now and the time that I am done speaking, I'd like for you to be through those questions. And I'm going to keep talking about them, and you're going to have close to a minute to answer every question uh, by the time that we're done here. And by the way, if you're online, you can access this very same document. Just get on uh, the church's website. In fact, if you go to today's sermon, it's not there yet because it hasn't happened yet. But if you go there, the name of it is there, and you can click on it and pull up this document as well, and you can follow along. So this is going to take you to that. Uh, it's important. For instance, question number one there, which says, I am confident that when I die, I will be with God in heaven. So do you agree, disagree, or are you unsure of that? Pick your response, okay? And by the way, if you haven't thought of your response yet, let me help you. You're unsure. So that's your response to that, all right? That's number one. Boom! Number one is done. Wasn't that easy? All right. Number two, I can never be good enough to earn my way to heaven. Do you agree, disagree, or are you unsure of that? Mark it off, and then that's number two. You see how easy that is? All right, so keep working on that, and I'm going to ask you guys, especially guys, I know it's hard, but I'm going to ask you to multitask here. Multitask is a code word for doing several things at once poorly, all right? So we're going to work on that today. Go to the next question, and as we come close to the end, we'll see if everybody's got it done but we're going to have this thing work through. Everyone, everyone, because this involves everyone. And remember raising your hand that you are someone, so this involves you because you're somebody. Doing good acts does not make me a Christian. Oh, that was question number three. Wasn't that easy? All right. I brought props this morning. <clears throat> this is a Nichols family heirloom. I'll bet some of you have something like this from your home or had something like this. It's meant to be, and it used to be, mounted on our wall about six inches off the floor. And if you could get up here and look at it, you would see that up and down this scale here, there are written in names and dates with lines. Guess what this is? Yes, it's to measure. It was to measure how much our kids were growing up as they aged. I remember Andy going to his second year of high school, how excited he was on the first day of school because he said, yes, I'm not going to be the shortest person in my class this year. It finally happened for him. Well, literally, kids grow up fast when things are as they should be. Eight years ago, there was a man named Sultan Kosin, a farmer from Turkey. At that time, and I think he still is living, at the time he was the tallest living man on earth, 8 foot 2.82 inches. That's pretty tall. A meeting was arranged for him and the man who was then the shortest living man on earth. His name was Chandra Bihadur Dangi. He was 1 foot 9.5 inches tall. And they met that day. There's, that's something you don't see every day. Both of them were an example of what happens when something goes wrong in a person's rate of growth. It's usually caused by a problem with the pituitary gland. It causes growth to go all out of whack. 
The tallest man ever recorded in modern times was a man named Robert Wadlow. He was born in 1918 in Alton, Illinois. And Robert was a normal-sized, healthy baby boy. He weighed about eight and a half pounds when he was born. But from there, he grew at a huge rate. By age one, he weighed 45 pounds. That's what I weighed in kindergarten. By his eighth birthday, he was taller than his father. At age 13, he was the tallest Boy Scout in the world, seven foot four. He was the oldest of five children. All of them were normal-sized. And by the time he graduated, he was eight foot four. Can you tell which one is him in his graduation picture? Because of his disposition, he became known as the gentle giant. After his graduation from high school, he became a, a representative and toured the country for the International Shoe Company. Because in exchange for him promoting international shoes, they provided his shoes, size 75, for free. <clears throat> His father removed the passenger seat from the family car so that Robert could sit in the back seat and stretch his legs out to the front as they traveled. By age 22, he was 8 feet 11.1 inches tall, just under 9 feet tall. He had to wear braces to walk, and he contracted an infection when one of those cut his ankle. It ultimately took his life at age 22, Robert Wadlow. Healthy growth is important to our physical being, isn't it? And I want you to understand this morning that healthy growth of our souls is even more important and about a more important part of us than just our physical being. And that's why it's important just to be able to answer questions like the questions on this sheet that are in front of you, like question number four. There's only one way to get to God, and that is through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Do you agree, disagree, or you're not sure about that? Mark it down. Peter said in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, and he was obviously speaking to people who were still young in their faith, like newborn infants Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Pure spiritual milk. What does that look like? Do you find that in the dairy section at Woodman's? Or would you check in the infant formula section? And I wonder, has it gone up 30% like everything else? Pure spiritual milk. Well, that's a figure of speech, right? It's a metaphor about discipling, about growing up in Jesus. Spiritual milk sounds like the basics, doesn't it? The basic things. Like question five there. I've put my faith in Jesus as the only way to pay for my sin. You see, that's a basic question. That's one of those questions that means you're right at the beginning of following Jesus. Spiritual milk. Or number six there, I'm committed to follow Jesus as my response to his gift of salvation to me. If you haven't settled that question in your mind yet today, I'm glad that you're here. I am glad that you're thinking about that. If you're unsure of that commitment, all right, keep looking, 
Keep digging. Keep asking. Cry out for answers like a hungry baby that can't be made quiet. Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, if you're a Christ follower... You should have that sorted through by now, just like a child should graduate from milk and baby food and go on. People who take on the name Christian should move on to a more grown-up diet for their faith with time. In fact, that's what the writer of Hebrews wrote to Christian people who had been believers for some time. Chapter 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation. Stop for a second. You don't lay a foundation again for a house, do you? You don't lay a second foundation. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The writer is saying you should mature, you should grow in your faith. Question seven there is like that. I believe that those who don't put their faith in Jesus will be separated from God forever in hell. Have you settled that issue in your mind? Are you sure about that? That is a pretty basic, pretty important question, isn't it? So what we're talking about here is the difference between being saved and then growing up. The theological words for those two things are, here we go, justification and sanctification. And I want to talk about both of those just for a second here. It is one thing to be justified. It is one thing to be saved. That is the point in your life, the story of your walk with Jesus, when you cross over from being lost to being found, from being in darkness to walking in the light. That's the moment when the lost sheep is found, when the prodigal son returns home, like we talked about last week. And it is a wonderful thing. I once was guilty, but now I am justified. We know what that word means, don't we? But have you noticed? Have you ever noticed that when people become followers of Jesus, they still have some room for growth in their faith? Well, of course. What does it mean when the Bible says that as a believer you have been born again? What does that imply about somebody? Well, it implies that you're a, a baby. It implies that you're very young. And so even though every person who is a follower of Jesus has been justified, every follower of Jesus is also now in this process of being sanctified, being made holy. Becoming like Jesus. How many of you have finished that, have made that so far? Finished it. Just like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. 
See, that's why we're disciples. That's why we're learners. Because we're in this process of transformation, and it's not going to end until we're standing in front of God's throne. Do you see question eight on this sheet? I am continually developing the character of Jesus. Is that you? We are reaching for Jesus. As a part of our Thrive Plan, there is this third task group that is focused on discipling, on reaching for Jesus. It's made up of Scott Cruden, Tom Bailey, Jill Kinney, Carrie Nichols, and yours truly. Scott, by the way, actually is leading this group like Brian talked about, but this past week, I don't know how many of you have been through it, I've been through it, Scott got taken down by the death flu, and uh, that set him back several days, and so um, I'm going to be kind of filling in for speaking for him today, but he is still here helping run logistics and things, for which I am grateful. The discipling group has been working on some very specific objectives for months now, and you're already working on one of those right here in your hands this morning. We realized real early on that this is a key part to this whole subject, that there needs to be a way to measure spiritual maturity. And that's why we're having everybody work on this tool right now. This part of the Thrive Plan is happening right now as we speak. If you're wondering, when are we going to start these things? You're doing it. A few years ago, I started to wear this device, a device on my wrist that measures things about me. It even tells the time, too. But over time, these things have become pretty detailed the way that they work. And this thing that I am wearing, this little device that I am wearing on my wrist, it's called a Fitbit, by the way, it talks to my phone, it talks to satellites in space, it looks below my skin, it listens to me as I sleep, it can show you where I walked, how many steps I took, how far I went, what time of the day it was, what pace I was walking, how many calories I burned, and how many feet I ascended and descended as I walked. It measures my breathing rate, the quality of my sleep, my temperature, my heart rhythm, and the saturation of oxygen in my blood. That's a lot of information. Why keep track of all that? Well, it helps me keep track of my physical health. It helps me know if what I'm doing is working. It helps me know what I need to do to stay in shape or get in shape. It helps me know if what I am doing is helping. It helps me spot if there's a bad trend. In other words, I care about what is going on with my physical health, and so I have gone through some effort to measure that. See where we're going? Here's an observation about things that measure where we're at spiritually. If you care about spiritual growth in your life, you'll make some effort to measure it and to encourage growth. Can I get an amen? If you care about that, you will measure it somehow. If you don't care about spiritual growth in the first place, you're not going to bother with this. This is a nuisance to you. But if you agree that this is important, then you're going to find it important somehow to measure and somehow to encourage 
growth, spiritual growth. And that thing might even be what's in your hand right now. Brought another item from home. <clears throat> How many of you know what this is? Sure you do. Yeah, it's your favorite friend in the morning. And when you put it down, uh, this one's electronic, and so as I put it down, it zeroes out. But you know what? If you put a little bit of weight on it while it zeroes out, and then take your foot off and then step on it, that's better. <laughs> no, you may not come up here and look at this. <clears throat> All right. I'm really trying to benefit from using a scale. If I am trying to benefit from using a scale, I need to use it honestly, don't I? I need to be honest with the results I get from that. And so here is another observation that I make about things that measure where I am at spiritually. They can help you if you'll use them honestly. But you can also deceive yourself if you want to. And so question 12 is there. I spend time with God each day, reading his word and praying. You know what? You're the only one who's going to know what answer you put down for that. We're not asking you to turn that in or show it to others. Are you weak or are you improving or are you strong where those things are concerned? Growing up in Jesus means we need to be honest about this whole thing. First with ourselves and then with one another. Amen? We need to be honest about it. This is another little gadget I brought from home. I love gadgets. This one, you push a button and then stick it on your head. Guess what it is? Yeah, it's a thermometer. It measures, it's supposed to measure your temperature. In the past two years, all of us got way too familiar with these things, way too familiar. Let's say that we took one of those, one of those infrared, don't even touch it to you thermometers, and we got a reading of like, oh, 95 or something. Wouldn't that be good? Well, it depends, doesn't it? It depends on, did you just come in from being outside in the cold? Remember all these weird readings? Were you wearing a hat? Was the thermometer accurate in the first place because some of those cheaper ones aren't very accurate? In other words, there would need to be a reliable standard of what is normal and good if I'm taking your temperature with one of those, right? Here's another observation about things that measure where I'm at spiritually. If you have a right standard of what's good and what's not, it can help you know how you're doing at this. Amen? you got to have a right standard. But without that reliable standard, it won't do you any good. Paul's talking about growth in the church in Ephesians chapter 4, and he says we need to be doing this, verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You see, in our growth uh, in Jesus, in this thing of discipleship, there's a standard. Do you see those words? The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. 
He's the ultimate man. He's the ultimate healer, the ultimate servant, and without sin. And Paul says we need to measure ourselves by that standard. All right. Here's another device that a lot of you have at home, right? You know what this is? This is a sphygmomanometer. Sphygmomanometer. Say that. Sphygmomanometer. It's a pressure cuff, all right? If you can say sphygmomanometer, you should be able to graduate from medical school. You just pump it up or you push the button and, go, and it cuts all the blood off in your arm and then it measures your blood pressure. Well, let's say that I sat down and correctly did this, and this thing, you know, pumps up and beep, beep, gives me the reading, and it tells me I have a blood pressure that's something like, oh, 200 over 150. Yep, some of you have used these. And then, instead of calling my doctor, I just sit down to watch the news and eat a piece of pie. All right. I have a good device. It gave me an accurate reading I know what blood pressure should be. Any problem? <laughs> well, sure. You see, if you learn how you're doing and you don't act on it, what good does it do you? What good does it do you to know? So here's another observation about things that measure where I'm at spiritually. Taking action based on what I learn moves it beyond information only, right? Measuring where you're at in your spiritual growth doesn't do any good if you do nothing about it. James writes about the foolishness of a man who looks in a mirror and sees what he looks like and then he goes away and forgets about it and does nothing about it. His point is we ought to be not just hearers of God's word, but we should be doers. You and I need to move beyond just information. We need to put action to it. Being a disciple means doing something about what we learn. All right, there's one more thing that I wanted to bring this morning, but I don't have a copy of it, and I, I probably wouldn't show it to you anyway if I could. Because back in the day, as a brand new student at Ozark Christian College, there was this thing called a Bible knowledge entrance exam. Everyone who was a freshman Right away, when they came to Ozark Christian College, one of the very first things that you had to do was take this test. Kenda, do you remember? Brian Roder can tell you about it. I think they still do it. I don't know if Jericho had to take it or not. Every freshman had to take this test. It was a humbling experience. And then, when you graduated, they gave you this long, tedious thing called an exit exam, and guess what? It was the same test. It was exactly the same test that you took when you started and when you end. And the point of the exam was to help you and them see how much that you had mastered in your time of study at Ozark Christian College. The year that I graduated, my senior class had a student in it by the name of Ed Green. Ed Green was the first person in the history of Ozark Christian College to ace the exit exam as he left school. By the way, I did not graduate above Ed uh, at Ozark Christian College. But I did leave there having some idea of where I had been and where I made it to 
in my growth of knowledge during those years there. So here's one last observation about things that measure where I'm at spiritually. If you repeat them as time passes, they can help you see how you've progressed, right? If you repeat them. They can become a point for great encouragement. Carrie used to work with students who had learning disabilities, some of them very severe, and I know about those students. They develop, and they still call this an IEP, an Individual Education Plan. It's a detailed plan detailing the tracking of their progress, and for some of them it may not seem like they have done much, but when they go back to their IEP and they check those charts and they check what they have done over time, it was often a reason for joy. Those charts would show how they had progressed. Other times, they helped shape the things that the student needed to work on more. And without giving it that repeated attention and that repeated look, there would have been vacancies in their learning. Growing up in our faith is a lot like that. If we look at where we were and then we look at where we are, we should have reasons for encouragement, shouldn't we? Yes, look, I used to be here, but now I'm here. Yay, good news, press on. And if where we are is the same as where we were, well, then we have a reason to make some adjustments, right? The discipling task group's been working to design a, a discipling pathway for people at all levels of spiritual maturity. In other words, opportunities for every person to grow up in your faith, whether you're just starting out or whether you have grown in your faith for many, many years. Some of those are going to involve big things like specific classes during the disciple hour and online and special classes at other times. And I, I wish that I could detail those. They're going to be there for every person at every level is our goal. And the point will be to provide next steps for every person and to provide those in enough opportunities that everybody will get to be part of it. And we realized also as we were working on these things that just more classes isn't the only way to get this done. That there's also going to need to be an ongoing emphasis on the effectiveness of relationships that help people mature like mentoring relationships and small groups and even making serving together, not just a matter of doing some job together, but also a matter of growing each other up in Christ. And this is all the kind of thing that Paul described in Ephesians 4. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right. So where are you in this? I hope that you've worked on this and just about finished it. How many of you have finished it? Can I just seriously see a show of hands? How many of you are pretty close to done with it right now? Okay. Go ahead and, and see if we can get that done here in just the next couple minutes as I'm wrapping up, please. I hope that you finish that find your seat assessment. If so, at the end of it, there's some simple math for you to do, all right? There are four chairs on there. By the way, this is from Four Chair Discipleship, 
this thing that we went through just a few years ago. Remember it? There are four chairs there, and for each one, you just need to total up the ones, twos, or threes for each chair. And then you got a total for each chair, right? A total number. So whichever chair is the highest number, that's the chair you're in right now. That's where you're at. It's a way of measuring where am I, all right? Go ahead and write that total down there for yourself. Have a look at it. What chair are you in? One, two, three, or four, okay? And that's going to be your baseline starting today. Remember that chair number. In five months, guess what we're going to do? We're going to repeat this assessment. We're going to take another look. Again, the same tool. And we're all going to have an opportunity to take a look at it and see how we have grown. So that it'll be a reason for encouragement. A reason to say, yeah, I was here, but now I'm here. Or maybe it will be a reason to say, whoops, I need to grow some more. I haven't moved ahead as far as I would like to have moved or as far as the Lord wants me to move. So here's something else we want then too. We want you to take that chair number one, two, three, or four, all right? Take that chair number, and then there's a response sheet, a little quarter sheet that you also received today. There's two things we'd like there. One is your age. Don't show that to anyone either. And the other is what chair are you in? One, two, three, or four, all right? Please just put that number on there because then what we will do is we'll have a collection of us as a church family, where are we at? And then Later, we're going to remeasure it again and see how we as a family have grown, all right? Put those numbers on there, fold it in half, and then we're going to have an opportunity to just collect those, okay? The reason it makes sense to give attention to all of this is sanctification. It is that we are all in process. We are being sanctified. Every one of us who has come running to Jesus to save us is in the process of being sanctified. It means we can't go on living like we did before, that we can't go on living like we did just right after becoming a Christian. If we really are new creatures in Christ, like it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, then every day should be a reflection of that as we become more and more and more like Jesus. Amen? All right. But wait, someone objects. There's no end to that. I'll never make it to that perfect standard. Right you are, my friend. And wrong. On your own, you will never arrive there. But one day, one day when your race here is finished, just like he did when he justified you, God is going to step in and he's going to finish sanctifying you too. God's going to finish us. Isn't that great news? Isn't it great news for unfinished people to hear that God's going to step in and finish? Our whole walk of faith is going to come full circle on that day. From the very start, we were depending on God's grace to save us, to forgive us. And for our whole lives here, we are leaning on his spirit to help us, to keep changing us. And finally, one day before him, we are counting on Jesus to come to our side and clothe us with his robe of righteousness and finish us. Today is the day 
to make your next steps on your way there. So I want to encourage you to take a look at where you're at. You know what? If you mark yourself down there this morning as being in chair one, you'll notice that that chair is labeled a seeker. And like I said at the beginning, if that's you this morning, I am so glad that you are looking at that. I'm so glad that you're looking today, that you're asking questions, that you are digging for information, that you are hungry and thirsting for something. It means that you're very near, as Jesus said, to the kingdom of God. And maybe today can be the day that you go from chair one to chair two if you're ready to acknowledge the kinds of things that are mentioned right there. So we hope, if that's you this morning, that we will either hear from you if you're online or that if you are here in person, you'll come down here and after we're dismissing today, that you'll come speak to me about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ because we want you to to come be part of that. Uh, Right now, as you're finishing up those chair response sheets, Scott is going to pick them up. And as he's coming around, if you would, please, just throw those in the box that he's got there, and uh, we'll get those collected from you as we're shuffling around here this morning. If you're already a believer in Christ and you're looking at chair two, three, or four, I can tell you this, that if you're in chair two, you're probably noticing, hey, there's two more chairs I could grow into. Yes, there are. And that's a great goal to set in front of yourself. Or if you're in chair four, you're so mature in your faith, you're probably understanding about yourself, well, I might be in chair four. That means I still got lots of growing to do. That's what a mature person realizes. (laughs) So if that's you this morning, great. Uh, As you and I here in just a moment stand before the Lord in prayer, let's talk to him about where he's going to take us from where we're at to where he wants us to grow. Please stand up with me. We're going to have a word of prayer. Our worship team is going to come here. And we're going to be singing that Thrive song that reminds us where we're headed these next three years. Father in heaven, thank you for your continued work in our lives. Uh, Father, I thank you on behalf of myself and all those who have known what it means to be justified, to be saved, to be brought from darkness to light. And Father, we thank you for that salvation, but we want our lives to be a reflection of gratitude, not just Uh, stagnation. And so help us please today, uh, looking at where we're at, to plot a course, Father, of growth that will honor you. There are some, Lord, who are looking at their lives and considering the fact that it's time to make a decision regarding a relationship with Jesus. And I pray that there will be choices made right now, a decision to look into this deeper, a decision to follow through with faith that is just beginning to develop, Lord, I pray that we will right now make choices that honor you. Thank you that we have this opportunity to do it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.